Hello and welcome to another edition of Video Games to the Max. This is actually episode 312. And I'm your host, Sean Garm, right here with me as always, Mr. Mark Morrison. Howdy. And also again here, Mr. Daniel Anderson. Hello. Well, guys, I mean, it wasn't the, you know, craziness of the last two weeks, but we had a neat Nintendo Direct, uh, Partner Direct. Uh, that we will certainly be going over here. Uh, so, you know, some, I guess you could call them either expected or we kind of thought it was coming sort of announcements. Um, but then you had some, like, I thought some cool indie games as well announced on this thing. We'll get into that. Uh, first of all, I guess how we always start this thing. What have you guys been doing or playing this week? Mark? Uh, I picked up two SNES games, Secret of Evermore, or it is good. It is very good. Yeah. And I picked up the best sports game ever. Guess what it is? What is that? This Mega Man Soccer. Oh, well, I, Mega Man Soccer is pretty, is pretty good. I agree there. I don't know about best sports game ever, but... Well, best soccer know. game, at least. <laughs> but, <laughs> One of the most fun ones, at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I played a little Civ Five because I was bored. Oh, I also got that Fire Emblem game. You haven't, uh, what do you think of it? I'm only like two, two or three hours in. It's fine. It's a lot more chaotic than, uh, Strikers was as like, as far as like, I mean, it's much more of like a Dynasty Warriors game, which I don't really like, or it just seems like brain dead easy. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like the traditional. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. as bad as like go to, go to sector one. Cause that's where the enemies are, but it's practically that. Like it's, I mean, I like Strikers cause there's like linear levels. And each palace was basically like, yeah, just go through this area. Or, you know, just, you know, you don't have to, like, backtrack. And this one you definitely do. So, and, like, I find combat just really simple and easy. Just mashing X and Y occasionally. Yep, that seems like a pr- typical Musu game. Just mash yeah. X and then whenever you get bored, mash Y or do your special or whatever. And Yeah, and you have a few different, like more special moves you can kind of pull off, like once the meter fills up and stuff like that. Uh, and you can, like, order people around, but I find that system to be very clunky. So I have to, like, look into actually how, figuring out how to do it, because they, like, introduce it very quick. You can just do it from now on. How? It doesn't explain yeah. that well at all. You know, but they fire them parts are fine, and it's nice to see those characters again. How do you... Um, like, is there anything uh, special added to the story for this, or...? I think it's like a uh, side story. Well, it's not a side story. It's more like a what if scenario. Okay. Or it's like what if the bad, gu- what if the good guy in three houses was like bad, but they're not really presenting her as like evil yet. It's just like, well, she can beat you in combat, so she's now evil. And it's like, ah, uh, okay. I mean, it could be your your character sucks. Like that's like they don't explain explore that at all. But yeah, I'll get into it later on probably. I mean, I'm okay. literally like, on the, like, the third mission, so... That's fair. I mean, at least you're kind of enjoying it, but it doesn't well, it's wow you too... like Strikers, you know? Yeah, it's just way too... Well, Strikers also took a while to get into as well. Uh, I mean, this is this is more like, yeah, you can switch characters at any time that you have. There are tons of, like, bosses on the battlefield, but they all, like, are weak as hell. So, yeah, it's all right. Yep. Well, I'm I'm sure we'll get more of that as uh, you continue to keep playing it. Uh, Daniel, have you played anything? Or? I've been 
playing a little bit more in KOTOR 2, and I downloaded uh, Fallen Order just to refresh myself on it. Haven't I played it when it first came out, haven't gone back to it yet, so I'm going to play back through it and get familiar with it a little bit more, just uh, revisit the story mainly. All right, fair enough. Played a little bit more of the uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge a little bit, and... Yep, still enjoying that game. I've gotten to play with some more, some more of the uh, other turtles. So, uh, I really gotten that feeling, like you said last week, of they each feel different, and uh, I was able to make a little bit more progress with Leonardo because I like the, especially in the like level three, which is that first level that has like the, I guess hoverboard or skateboard, whatever you want to call it. It's a lot easier to navigate with him, and and you need to be able to do like jumping attacks. And I found his actually because it has like an extra like twirl thing that it does, and it can take out the characters uh, or the the foot soldiers faster. So uh, I found it easier to use him for that level. But it, there's levels where you definitely it would be like helpful to have like Donatello's like long uh, stick. So I, I can definitely see how they made this really well for you to play this with your friends and each have the the ability to just like okay well you work better to kill this enemy as opposed to the character that you have so that's great in that respect but playing solo i guess sometimes it's like kind of like luck of the draw depending but i've been still having fun so i'm enjoying this game still and still recommend folks check it out if you haven't yet and remember it's on game pass so there you go all right so we've technically had two directs since the last time we did the show. Well, let's actually, since this one just happened, I want to say less than 24 hours since we, what did you guys think in, in general? First off, before we go through anything, uh, any games that like you thought stood out or uh, obviously, I mean, the, again, just like the Xbox one, the big announcement of Persona 3, 4, and 5 coming to switch now so there's that any thoughts uh mark no you can finally stop complaining about it i guess <laughs> yes uh, you can stop complaining about it should have yeah. been done a, a long time ago but yes but glad it's happening i don't know i think not really it's weird that harvested game would kind of enter or harvestella with kind of like anime yeah. uh stardew valley yeah, it was uh, Square Enix's, like, sort of a actual RPG character, I guess, Final Fantasy, without the Final Fantasy name, and Farming Simulator. I gotta, and, I gotta say, yeah. I'm, like, weirdly interested in that Disney Dreamlight Valley game, and I don't know why. <laughs> there was, a, there was a, quite a bit of the farming farming games in this showcase. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing we're going to start seeing. We're going to have all these different people making or, you know, developers making farming games. But I guess it's like Disney's shot at Animal Crossing or whatever. Oh, it's like I, Animal I, Crossing yeah. mixed with like The Sims. Yeah, that too. I, uh, I agree, though. I, I found it interesting as well. Like, I wonder I, if I showed this to Anaya, if she would be down with that. So I think my problem with that thing is going to be like it's all focused on like new or current Disney stuff. Right. And I don't care about that at all. Yeah, I wonder how big it is, for one. How far-reaching are you going to see these characters? And then, obviously, if it actually does well, 
will they incorporate like expansion packs where they do put in some of the older characters? But I kind of understand. I mean, you do need to have the more recent stuff first to kind of catch the 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 kids and the the parents that are you know watching this stuff on Disney Plus or in the movies, and then you can go and get the nostalgia rub later. Yeah, they also managed to kill all my interest in that Sonic Frontiers game. So good going, Sega. Oh, really? So you, after watching that, you now are no well, longer. Well, it was watching that, and then watching uh, Jeff Gersman talk about it. Like that open zone is cool, but then him saying like, "Oh," and then you have to feed basically currency to open up the actual like levels in the game. And he's like, "They're basically like Sonic Adventure levels." Yeah, I'm done because those are the worst parts of Sonic Sonic games. <laughs> so. Like, this is terrible then, because those there hasn't been a good Sonic three D game ever. I liked Sonic Adventure well enough. Um, yeah, you were you were ten and yeah, or, that's true. 13, or thirteen, and that game. I, I, I'm with you. That game was a good showpiece, but it was basically a snow job where the first level looks amazing, but it just looks amazing. It doesn't play well, and like the second <laughs> you go off the path, you die, and that's how every Sonic right. game is. So, yeah, and then f- fucking having to do that adventure field bullshit. Like, oh, I need the win key to open up this level. It's like, this is terrible. No, I was saying, if you don't know what Mark is talking about, there is uh, keys that you have to unlock, and then it unlocks, goes into this level, sort of, I guess, when you go into, like, those bonus levels in the 2D Sonic games or with uh, Mario Odyssey, where he would go into, the like, the old-school Mario if you went into certain parts of the walls. It's kind of like that, where you're you're getting into more of a, like you said, the Sonic Adventure 3D levels, where it's yeah, more but like, direct. The bonus yeah. levels and that Mario Odyssey stuff were like very side, sided off. Like they weren't part yeah. of the main game. This sounds like this is the main game, because that's why probably the uh, open world seems so empty. Is that, yeah, it's just meant to get you the material so you can actually go do the level, like the the more actiony levels and it's like well those are going to be bad based on every bit of history you've ever had at this company so no i thought it was just going to be like an open world game breath of the wild had like four like the four actual dungeons uh if it was like that that might be okay but you know they're gonna have like 10 or 15 levels and they're all gonna be like terrible yeah, I wonder if it, this is just like them trying to kind of dip their toe in the water and see if they can get pull this off and get good reviews, get some good press, get people to buy it, and then say, okay, can we make that next step and really make it fully open world? Because that's a challenge in itself, right? Of like, how do we do this in a fully open world setting? You know, could you really ever have a Sonic Breath of the Wild type thing? I think if they actually had the capacity, they could, but I don't think they have that. Pardon, pardon the phrase, breadth of knowledge. Like they don't, they don't have that history. Unless you want to put like Sonic in a Yakuza game, which might be kind of funny. But so I, I know you don't have it or anything yet. But I mean, what do you make of the whole? Since we're on the topic of the uh, the developer for Sonic Origins coming out and blasting Sega for how they put this collection together. And then apparently it has lots of bugs and yeah, other it's things. not. It's not surprising they want to do it cheap. Like that music thing, I knew about that beforehand, or I was talking about that months before. Hey, I don't mind if they have to replace the music. I, I right. understand that, but if you're going to replace the music, do it well. 
don't do what they did. Sonic has a very distinct music where it's like the first act or the first act of a zone has a song and the second act basically is like a remix of that song or they added more instrumentals or do something different with it but it's the same damn song this there are completely different songs for each act and both songs are terrible and they sound like garbage so i don't mind if they have to replace the music but again you should have done it well and yes Sega wanting to do this on the cheap doesn't surprise me. And the fact that it's coming out on, like, the 31st anniversary of Sonic and not the 30th, it's like, what the hell is that? Oh, everyone, yeah, the 30th anniversary is an important, it's always a 31, that's that's the real moneymaker. I mean, I get that, uh, you know, Sega and, by extension, you know, Atlas don't have a lot coming out this year other than, obviously, ports of Persona 5 and... Uh, Soul Hackers too. Whenever that comes out, and that's you like know, December. Yeah, yeah and that's, then, that's not gonna. That ain't gonna be a big seller. Let's be honest. <laughs> right, but I mean, like, I get it that they want to have all these things for the Sonic anniversary, or they or they promise that these things would be out by a certain time. But it's like, again, have we not learned the whole trying to rush things doesn't help you? And then it, rushing this collection that people have really wanted. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a collection that has Sonic Three and. Sonic and Knuckles and all that, where they've just not put these in these collections, period, because they didn't want to deal with the having to mess with the music. And then, I mean, that, that's another thing. These game, well, Sonic Three even has been passed around so much. If you can get Sonic Three by opening your window, if you really want to do, like it's not hard to find. Well, I, I get that, but I'm just saying, in a collection altogether, you're making a big deal about. This is Sonic Origins and all these games are together and all that stuff. And then you're going to make sure you like just rush this out and do a horrible job of it. I mean, I haven't played it, so I don't know how evident these bugs are or how terrible all this is. But the uh, fact that this developer went on this diatribe on it. Yeah, I have to yeah. imagine it's like it's probably pretty minor in the grand scheme. But yeah. if you know what you're looking for or, you know, those games really well, then some of this stuff will probably bug you to hell. I think it's also probably that developer going into CYA mode. They know that there's going to be a backlash against it, so they're getting out to say it wasn't us, it was Sega. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree there. I mean, he, you know, he's also kind of risking it as well as to like whether he he makes a comment about well, nobody's ever come to us to say, well, are you going to do updates or patches or whatever? Well, you might have just shot yourself on the foot there about you being the one that's going to come in and do those patches because well, they may be like, well, we're not going to work with you now because you put us on blast. Yeah. But then but, who else is going to do it? Like, I mean, he has to do this because it might yeah. force to get actually do something instead of just, you know, leave it alone. Yeah. Like what Konami did with the Silent Hill origins games. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's the latter, but I'm, I'm worried that he, he made us get a bunch of backlash for that. I think if you know. uh, there was any indication that they were going to be doing patches or something for it, that he wouldn't have said it. But the fact that it's at this point in the development and nobody said anything means they're probably not going to go to that company again. So either way, it's not going to hurt them. Yeah, either they're going to leave it the way it is or maybe Sega themselves are going to do it. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, bottom line, it is like straight up embarrassing. They were asking 40 bucks for five Sonic games. What? Really? Yeah, and then they made it to where I think the ones that had uh, individual, where you could buy games individually, they took them off. 
Yeah, that was a, that was yeah. a few months ago. That was like when they announced that thing. It was the day after they got delisted from like Steam and Xbox and all that crap. Because yeah, those are which, those are evidently more quality ports. Yeah, which that sucks. I mean, you shouldn't do that. Let people buy what they want. You already made it. And I mean, if also this, they have to buy the stupid collection. If this thing was like forty Sonic games and for forty bucks, that might be more justifiable. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, if I had come to you guys and said, let's say seven years ago, and said, "Hey, the Sonic franchise is going to basically be kept alive by a video game movie and a sequel," yeah. who would have yeah. actually thought? That would have been the positive for Sonic. And also Jim Carrey is, is Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the fact that he did that so well, but uh, I don't think anybody, everybody would have laughed in your face. Right? Yeah, they mean, would have said, what? Video game movies suck like, for one. So like, you're going to tell me that that's what we're thinking about when we think of Sonic now is, is those two movies and not any of the games other than maybe Sonic Mania. So that's the thing is, this still doesn't erase the whole, okay, these are the original games. Yes, you're going to want to play them. But if you put them out in this way, it doesn't really make you look good. It doesn't make it look like you really care about this franchise that you lovingly I mean, want to. Yeah, They don't care about the franchise. That's really the, the larger issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really think it's at the point where they know the only money they're going to get is licensing out the characters. And that's what they're doing. I mean, I think they do. It's just they don't, they don't know. I mean, aside from Sonic Mania, again, like they don't have a, a way to really continue to capitalize on it. They turned that guy down when he said he wanted to make Sonic Mania 2. They're like, no, we're going to take it in a different direction. It's mm. a good plan there. I mean, credit to them for trying to make Sonic Frontiers. I don't know. They, they've got to figure it out. Like, because they want to get this stuff out so bad instead of taking the time to make sure it's good. This is like the eighth 3D Sonic game, and they still are like, no. I mean... And and now you can't complain. You have the power of all these great consoles, you know, with the Switch excluded, but PS5, Xbox Series X, the PC, I mean, you don't have a... You can't complain that it's the, the hardware holding it back. No, it's just the design. And, yeah. like, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, Mario Sunshine, but, like, every 3D Mario game more or less has been good, if not, like, excellent. Yeah. And no 3D Sonic game has been even, like, been, you know, passable. Like, Sonic Adventure 1 gets a pass because, like, you have main 99 and look cool at the time. But right. even back then, I realized, like, there are six characters in this game and four of them suck ass. So <laughs> this, is, this is an issue here. Yeah. That's true. Daniel, I guess getting back to the direct, was there anything that anything you saw from there that jumped out at you or uh, the big thing was the Square Enix Harvest game. Uh, I don't know if I'd actually play it, but it seems like something probably would have been better received had it been released five years ago. But I'm sure it'll still sell decently, but yeah, nothing that really jumped out at me and made me think I have to buy this. Does I'm starting to wonder does like Square have this like automated game maker? Like they they just have this like a Deal Field Chronicle, uh, this game. Do we just start grabbing genres and be like, oh well, let's just put a Square Enix tinge on it and release that? Like it's, I mean, <laughs> I mean they have all these awesome franchises, you know, that they don't make games for anymore. 
and then we come out with stuff like this. (laughs) And don't forget selling off other awesome franchises. Well, I mean, that's understandable because all they were doing was telling you how they were disappointed in their sales. I mean, so what's the point of keeping them around? (laughs) I'd like to see the sales numbers of some of these, like this Harvest game versus the last day sex and see which one actually had more disappointing sales worldwide. But right. Or Tomb Raider or whatever you can point out. uh, Marvel's Guardians. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot of it is just, it's geared towards a certain demographic and a certain type of fan and Square Enix isn't interested in reaching out to anyone else other than their core fan base for the most part. Yeah, uh, I mean, unless they want to make narrative-based NFTs, then, you know, that's their way of... I, well, I, that, that near game, near Automata on the Switch does not sound appealing. Yeah, uh, it makes it still makes me go back to, like, how are we getting near Automata to work on the Switch when we couldn't get two out of the three Kingdom Hearts collections to be natively done on the Switch? And isn't, wasn't there like one other game that said that it was like the the uh, streaming version? Oh well, that's understandable. The what you call it? The the oh my god, I can't think of it right now. Oh, uh, Plague's Tale. Yeah, Plague's Tale. Record. That I understand. That is a that is a really good looking game that would probably not run well on the Switch. It's the reason why the Dying Light Two also has a cloud version on the Switch, which actually got delayed and has not been released. So. That doesn't surprise me, but the the fact that they got, I, I want to see. Uh, there's a uh, pictures going around of the Switch uh, burnt down or whatever after people start playing that game. I want to see how well it actually runs. They um, really needed some uh, Mario and like Princess Daisy or Princess Peach costumes for near also. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they might. You know, so. I just think That's... to the uh, recent KOTOR 2 news, at what point is the Switch going to get away from ports not running well on them? I mean, even uh, old ports. I, that no, two years ago. <laughs> that, won't, that will continue to happen because all they want is the money that they're going to get from... This is, this is the Wii all over again. This is people putting yeah. stuff on the Switch to get the money because they know that people will buy it and they don't care if these are the quote-unquote inferior versions. If all they have is a Switch, they're going to buy it on the Switch. Uh, how it is. Uh, yeah, Persona just, 5 I, on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, Persona 5 Royal on the Switch. I mean, the fact that it's the Royal version too, right? Because I think when we've talked about it before, we said, oh, if they do make it, it'll be just a regular Persona 5. And like, no, they got the actual best version of the game. And let's see how it how it goes. I forgot to ask you this when we talked about it during the Xbox. How do you feel, Mark, as a, a Persona fan? Do you think that Persona 3 Portable is the best decision as far as that version of Persona 3, the one that's getting ported no. over? Or? It should yeah. be uh, Fez, because uh, that was like the middle ground one. I mean, nothing against Portable, but come on. It was a PS3, it was a PSP game. Drastically reduced gameplay fidelity. So, yeah, it should be Fez, or at least give you the option of Persona 3 regular. Well, I, I think they didn't want to do Persona 3 regular because then people wouldn't be able to do the... They don't like the whole not being able to control the whole party. Well, that's why I say Fez. Because that, yeah. that you... Well, couldn't you also do it in Persona 3 Portable? Yeah. yeah. I think it's more of a... 
they're giving you the golden version, which is, you know, it's on Vita. Well, that uh, is like the better version. That is like right. clearly the better version. But I would say Fez is the better version of Persona 3. But I'm sure I wonder if have- they could possibly like add in some of the things from Fez into this. They're not going to do anything. Cause, no, I don't. You know, I don't think they are. But yeah, yeah, they already have an emulator built, or they bought, or they have some, you know, PSP emulator that you know Patapon runs on, off of, and you know Parappa, and they're like, well, we can plug in this Persona Three portable ISO, and here you go. <laughs> you think that's what it's going to? I mean, other than making it, uh, what is it, seven twenty? Well, the emulator can do uh, that. Yeah, that I mean, that so, is exactly what they're doing. I think. Gosh. Speaking of which, uh, that. Crisis Core is like fifty bucks. Well, I mean, but that's a remaster. Yeah, that makes sense for it to be fifty bucks, right? I, so I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, what do you think of the? I was very excited. This is the one. I I know you cared more about perhaps the the zero games, but the one Mega Man thing that I have always uh, enjoyed was Mega Man Battle Network. So I am totally down with them making this collection and and bringing it. It's about it's about damn time. I never played any of them. Oh, they're really good. You should definitely I, go check them out, honestly. I, I don't need to play, like, Mega Man Pokemon. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it's not it's not directly, like, gotta catch them all, but it's more, you know, isn't it like an, RP, like an RPG? Like the yes, game? it is an RPG. Yeah. yeah. I played it a little bit. I'm happy to see that it's coming out, but... I want to make sure it's actually going to run correctly before I put my money down to buy it. Uh, I mean, those they're Mega- GBA games. I would hope so. No, those Mega Man <laughs> collections were actually pretty good. Like, yeah. I would actually have some faith in this. It'll be it'll be fine. It won't look particularly great, but I mean, you're trying to blow up a GBA screen onto modern TVs. So good luck. Well, we'll see how that looks exactly on your TV and not the actual Switch handheld. But yeah. I I think it will run just fine. I mean. Where's the Mega Man Legends games and Tron Bon? I mean, I think I know a few people that would go pretty crazy if we did get the Tron Bon game. That game is like stupid expensive still. Yeah, well, I mean, it's super rare. <laughs> so it makes sense. I have it as a classic on the PS3, but that's, you know. I mean, it is. Yeah, I'm looking now. It's for a complete edition, it's 500 bucks. Jeez. Oof. Just for the disc, it's 225 so yeah i mean for me as far as like there's a lot of the you know smaller games that i liked like totally gonna be playing blanc with anaya as soon as that comes out in 2023 it's super cute and it's the thing that she likes a lot she still asked me to can we play it's take uh it takes two again because she loved the fact that it's me and her working together to get through a level so this is kind of like right up her uh, should, uh, alley there. You should have yeah. you, should, you and her should play that prison game. <laughs> no, <laughs> Lorelai and the laser eyes look cool uh, as well. Uh, Annapurna always uh, comes out with games that are just impressive, and then they always just look very different from each other. So totally down with that. And then Return to Monkey Island looks fun. I love the art style; pretty awesome. And this game's getting its own showcase. The Mar- uh, Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. I like the thing that you can do, the dash. Uh, it looks like they, I don't know if this is going to be stuff that they're adding to try to make the game easier for people because the first one was pretty hard. 
or yeah. if it's going to be everybody can do that and this game's just going to be easier. I don't know what they're going with that, but it seems like they have obviously done things to like, hey, if you have problems getting through this level, just start doing this and you can knock out half the team before they even get a chance to attack, which is pretty nice in a way as well. So there's that. Uh, are y'all interested in Sparks of Hope at all? Did, did y'all play the first one? I didn't play it. I know it had some like weird gameplay issues that kind of drove like drove me off. I don't know if this plays better. I might give it a shot. Yeah, I didn't play it either. I didn't have a, any real reason I didn't play it other than just limited money at the time, so I had to pick and choose what I was getting. Uh, here's my real reason: I don't like the rabbits. <laughs> if this was just Mario XCOM, it'd be fine. But like yeah. the fact they always have you have to have like a rabbit in the group is like why? Like, well, I mean. That's the Ubisoft part of it, so... <laughs> yeah, but... I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want that, so... <laughs> I know what you mean, but they kind of... It's part of it, you know? I think... I I find them super amusing. Like, they make me laugh and everything. It's not like they... You know, they're silly, and that's what they're meant to be, but... I mean, I'd be happy if it was, like, Mario and Rayman take, like, teaming up. I'm surprised they haven't tried <laughs> to, like, put him in there just as, a, like, extra character... You know, who knows? Yeah. Now they've added Bowser, so maybe that could be a thing, but I, I doubt it, but it would be neat. Uh, I've been waiting for that RPG Time Legend of Right to come out, so glad to see it got some more love here. Uh, Live Alive is obviously RPG. You got me there. Uh, the fact that it has a demo, wonderful. So still cool that Square Enix brought this out. We did not think this was going to happen, so... Uh, you can obviously see where, oh god, what's the game? Octopath Traveler got its reach from exactly this game here, uh, with the all these characters had their own story and all that. So we'll see. I, I will be happy to play that demo, and next week I'll definitely have some thoughts. And Dragon Quest Treasures looks a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, very much Dragon Quest kind of with Pokemon there, but. The monsters have always been really cute in, in Dragon Quest, and they, I think, might make this work. The fact that it's coming out so late in the year, that's pretty crazy to me, but why not? So I thought this was a pretty decent, like, I, this might have been one of the better, uh, if not the best, third-party direct one that they've had. Because a lot of these, man, they're bad. Like So... This one has some pretty interesting games in it. And, of course, you had the big Monster Hunter Sunbreak announcement and all that as well. So it could have been a lot worse, I'd say. Yeah. I, I, uh, I want these things to have some personality, though, and none of them do. Yeah, ever since uh, Iwata passed, they kind of just went into this generic, like, this is how it is. And they had the voice talking. and They got John Vignocchi working there, have him host. That'd be awesome. I'm surprised they haven't tried to have other people host, but I guess he's been on like once or twice, and I think yeah. some girls been on as well, but like very briefly. I think this makes it easier for them to do in all the regions to do it this way. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you can obviously let us know how you felt about the direct as well. If you hit us up on the socials and all of that jazz, um, let us know if you liked it or if there's any games you're looking forward to. Uh, speaking of games to look forward to, we are hitting towards the end of the month, so you know 
that we're getting some new games to play as part of Games for Gold and PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Plus. Now, this is not official yet, but this is from a leaker, Bill Bill Coon, who has been leaking them since September 2021. So you can probably bank that these are the three games that will be there. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time. And also... Uh, you got the Dark Pictures Man and Medan, which is perhaps the lesser of the Dark Pictures games that have come out. But hey, it's uh, free with your PlayStation Plus, so why not? And I heard the second one is pretty bad. The Little Hope or Little Hope, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> the The latest one, though, what is it? Ashes of Fire, whatever, it's supposed to be really good. So there's that, and then you got the arcade again uh, game as well. And then, of course, Xbox Games for Gold is actually decent this time around. Beastsimera Villa Island is like a Pokemon Snap, but with, like, uh, different beasts. Um, I played that before. I played a demo uh, during last year's E3. I thought it was pretty good. You get Torchlight for the 360 in the second half of the month. Uh, Thrillville off the rails for the first half of the month. And then the other game for the Xbox One Series X is Relicta. So seems to be uh, one of the, the cheaper games available there. So, yeah, I don't know. Anything y'all are... I, I'm down for getting Crash Bandicoot 4 in that mix there. Yeah, that's the only one that's actually like worthwhile, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, continuing on the Nintendo front, it feels like I've been talking about this collection for, I don't know, ever since they announced Metro Prime 4. But according to Jeff Grubb, Metro Prime Collection with a Metro Prime 1 full remaster is going to be coming this fall uh, to line up with the 20th anniversary. Hey, you know what? A number of anniversary that makes sense, unlike the Sonic one. But the line up with the 20th anniversary of Metroid. I think it's awesome that we'll hopefully be able to play these games again on the Switch. Any thoughts on getting these uh, finally, hopefully? I mean, it'll I be never... great when they finally come out, but how long have we been saying that? About four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never played them. I don't. I think I tried to play Metroid Prime 1 like a while ago, and I was just like, this hasn't aged really well. That's yeah, perhaps like, that one's the one that's getting the full remaster. Maybe Nintendo... Knows that I, I, well. don't mean from like a, I don't mean yeah. from like a graphics perspective. I don't mean from just like a gameplay one. I'm like, this feels kind of clunky. <laughs> That's yeah. why I stopped playing it. I'd be happy with a uh, remake of Super Super Metroid with that Metroid Dread engine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember really enjoying it on the GameCube. Or was it Wii? I can't remember. Ah, uh, GameCube. GameCube. Yeah, the first one was a GameCube. That's why I was like, okay, first I never played that one. Yeah. yeah, I remember like really enjoying the first one. I agree with you that perhaps some of the stuff, especially the scanning thing, is a bit cumbersome. I think it's um, a, I think it's a matter yeah. of like you know Goldeneye on the N sixty four. We all played that and we all liked it. I imagine, right? But like going back to it now, especially if you don't use that controller, this like this is extremely clunky and awkward. Yeah, yeah. So it was even clunkier when it got pointed to the Wii. So. That wasn't a port. That was like a remake, or like yeah. a because that was like Daniel Craig Bond. Well, they had to redo it to have the Wii controls. So, right, yeah. yeah. 
it's just one of those things where the stuff that was revolutionary at the time or expected now or have were a fad that's gone away and I mean it's still gonna be I'm sure it'll still be a good game, it'll still be fun to play, but it will feel clunky in parts, I think, unless they completely redo it. Yeah. And I don't see them necessarily doing that. <laughs> no, I don't either. Yeah, uh, probably not. Uh, they're not. They. I think we would have heard more of that if they were gonna be doing all that stuff. That being said, there was just to end the Nintendo stuff here for this show. Uh, and I know this probably only concerns me, you guys. I don't think either one of you care about uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, but. I did think it was cool that it's getting an expansion pass again, just like 2 did, and very much like 2, the last one is going to have its own brand new story scenario that feels like it's going to be big, unlike the Xenoblade 1 remaster one, which was kind of short. The Xenoblade 2, like Golden Torna, even for a lot of people, wound up being even better than Xenoblade 2 was. So it would be cool if they can get to that point when you get to towards the end of next year with whatever this is going to be, but $30 not bad for all the stuff that's in here and for, you know, how long Xenoblade 3 is probably going to be when you look at how the other two go. That's well worth the 30 bucks right there, all the stuff you get in this uh, pack that involves the first one getting some helpful items and color variants that comes out with the release of the game, and then you get you know, challenge battles and new heroes and all that, considering how many heroes seem to be in this freaking game the fact that they're going to be making more uh is kind of crazy in itself because that was one of the big things that i kind of saw from the direct is like good lord there's a lot of freaking characters in this game and then you're going to add like others that you can like switch out as the seventh character they really went for like just adding so many characters in this game i will say much better on the character design I never had a problem with uh, the ones in Xenoblade 2, like many seem to do. I kind of get it as well. You know, you don't want the game being known for that, having the distraction of, you know, the Pyramithra thing. And now you can kind of just get on with it and enjoy the game instead. I thought the battle system stuff is a lot of two, and then they just kind of added things onto it, along with the having the classes and then the. I don't know if I would call them mechs, but like the creatures, the Ouroboros that they can kind of become if you interlink with each other, which is uh, really awesome as well. Suffice to say, the 20 minutes that I got to see from this game made me even more excited. And also, like, the story is very interesting. Like, So apparently they're all fighting because you have 10 years, uh, a 10-year lifespan, and the more people you kill the more you have a chance to fill up that bar so that it kind of either prolongs your life or makes it to where it doesn't end this quickly so it kind of gives you a reason for them to be doing what they're doing but then you also have people at different stages of that lifespan so getting to see how that all kind of turns out for them was very interesting as well so yeah one month away now really can't wait Thank you, Nintendo, for giving us that even greater anticipation with this direct. I mean, I don't know if y'all watched it at all or anything, but hell no. That's that's what I thought. I'm I'm more. I'm just kind of curious if Jenna Coleman is going to be back. I mean, that would mean that her character would show up in 
all three of the swords that are important in that series are on the cover of the expansion pass. So maybe, I guess, in the expansion pass you could. But it, in the main game, there's going to be probably some tie-in to those other two games. But if you played two, you know it's a very small tie-in exists between two and one. It's still a cool tie-in, but nonetheless, it's not like this big thing that, you know, you need to go, oh my god, I gotta play one before I play two. No, you really don't. But either way, that game is coming, and it's Nintendo's big first-party thing, aside from Sparks of Hope that they've really been showing off now that, obviously, Fire Emblem Three Hopes is out already, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, people go out, let's buy it, let's play that expansion pass, and Show Monolith Soft that we can now go and let's let uh, remake or remaster uh, Chronicles X and put it on the Switch too. We've been, t- it feels like every week we're talking about some Sony entertainment thing. We've been talking about Grand Tur- the Grand Turismo movie the last couple times. Uh, you know, then, you know, we mentioned that there was a Horizon show coming. And now, according to Jeff Grubb, we don't have the cast yet uh, but we have some of the crew and then also the sort of gist of the story and the fact that it might be called horizon 2074 uh the gist of the story is that apparently it's going to take place between two timelines the one that's in the game and then one that also kind of predates the game and uh shows you what happened before like the whole post-apocalyptic part of it just from, I guess, seeing, reading that, uh, possibly hearing what Jeff Grubb said, any does it grow your interest in perhaps watching the show? Or That's what the game does. Right. I mean, literally. You also play the same damn character in the past and in the present. So I imagine whatever actress they cast will be that same character. Or, you know, be the same person in both, essentially. So that ain't surprising at all. Like, I, I was more surprised... I'd be more surprised they didn't go in the past. Well, I mean, but you guys were also saying, well, maybe it's like a, a spinoff or that it has nothing to necessarily do with the games themselves. I'm like not going to be like that yeah. Halo yeah. show where it'll have the basic conceit of, yo, Covenant versus humans or, you know, robots versus people, but it won't necessarily follow the plot by plot point of the games. Which is good because, like, those games barely have a plot most of the time. <laughs> the synopsis that Jeff Grubb gives is the idea is that this is not a reboot or remake or sort of reimagining of the game storyline. It will take place parallel and sort of explain the other elements that happen in the game. I mean, in a way, that's good because you get around fan casting and you don't have a bunch of people complaining that they like or don't like whoever they cast for the main character in the game. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I'm just, I'll give it a shot when it comes out, see if I enjoy it or not, but I'm not too terribly optimistic for it, but I could be wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I just don't know if this is the right way to do it or not. Yeah. I think for me, it all does come down to casting. Like if they cast someone I'm interested in, or if it's a good actress and sure. But if it's, someone terrible then forget it or if it's good writing that's the other thing if you, if you have good writing i can get around a subpar cast does is this going to have aloy in it or are we just going to make allusions to aloy or i think it kind of has to have her 
I think you might only see her in passing or as a cameo, but that's it. I don't think you're gonna. She's gonna be a main plot point of the series. You know who I'm seeing, and I know you watch the show also. The chick who is Sylvia Tilly on Star Trek Discovery. Oh. <laughs> Okay. How about I just go with the usual fan favorite cast or anybody that has red hair and just say Karen Gillian? If she did it, sure, I'd watch it, but I don't see her like going back to TV anytime soon. I'm curious. I totally get uh, Daniel's point of view, but like, Mark, why are you saying that she kind of has to be? Uh, because that's the whole conceit of the game. Right. You know, they tried to make those like Halo, that Halo uh, like web series, and like Master Chief didn't show up at all. Yeah. So, and that failed spectacularly. Yeah, like, I wonder if they're going to try to make it later in the series or perhaps even tease it for a season two, not directly involve her from the beginning. Uh, or they we'll could see. go they could go with the Highlander approach where they throw them out in the first episode and then barely, if ever, reference the character again. That's true as well. So we'll have to wait a little bit longer to see what they end up deciding to do and uh, how this is actually going to go down, get more details and all of that. But I'm sure the closer we get to whenever it is that they're going to release this, they will certainly be doing that. And, of course, we'll get the cast of all of the characters and everything else. I, I'm kind of excited to see you know, how the robots are going to look and everything else uh, as part of this series. So that will be uh, fun to see when we get to it. Speaking of... Oh, Soon we'll be seeing uh, Dragon take flight in World of Warcraft. There's a 2022 launch window. Boy, I, I thought we kind of knew that already, but thank you, Blizzard, for confirming that, I guess. That, that's the thing. We didn't. Oh, we didn't. Okay. You know, I would hope that they released something in 2022 that's not just Diablo Immortal, but, you know. All right, well, I guess Overwatch is also coming, but, you know, the part that everybody wants is free-to-play, so you're really not necessarily making money off of that, I guess, um, unless you're counting the microtransactions or whatever. But either way, we knew it was called Dragonflight. There's obviously several, you know, different yeah. editions of the yep. game. Yeah. Four editions, that's fun. <laughs> that's not surprising. Everything has, like, at least three uh, yeah. nowadays. So, yeah, so the base one is $50. Next one up is 70 You can get the idea. Um, they keep going up in price. So, and I, I know you always play all of these expansions. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure when I review this game, they'll send the Epic one to me, which is nice, and I'll get a month's worth of time, and that'll be it. Well, I, I, yeah, at least you have that. I, I just hope it's good. Like, the last two have been, like, tragic and have really killed WoW. <laughs> the reason I say it's surprising is because people are expecting this to be, like, 2023 at the earliest. And, like, they announced it, like, two months ago, like a month and a half ago, and they didn't have pre-orders then at all. So people were like, oh, is this going to be next year? But then they're like, no, it's actually this year. Well, that's a little soon then, because that's optimistically that's six months out, but it's probably like five. Well, and then also if you're playing WoW Classic, you're going to get the Lich King Classic expansion, which is going to have four new zones, and then the first ever combination class, the Dractor Evoker. So, like, looking at this, like, I guess bigger picture you know, Mark, you know where WoW is at. Is there something, let's say this kind of does okay, right? It keeps WoW afloat until the Microsoft takeover finally happens or whatever. Is is there anything that, with the help of Xbox, perhaps getting in and talking to the Bethesda folks about what they're doing with Elder Scrolls and 
all of that. I, um, I, I is imagine, there anything they can do to kind of save WoW? Or no, I imagine or, like you know Bethesda and Blizzard are going to be like siloed off completely, like never the twain shall meet. I, I don't think so, but it's it's in competition with one another. It's like, well, what, what you know? Yeah, but they're the same company now, and part of the thing that they've always talked about every time is. Like uh, Phil talks about when they have these videos, is like how all these companies get to go together uh, to these events, and they have like a company event where they all get to like talk about each other's games and like learn from one another, or whatever. So like, I can't yeah, imagine but, that now Bethesda is never going to talk to anyone at the Blizzard. Yeah, but then you don't yeah. want you know WoW feeling like Elder Scrolls Online or having forbid Fallout seventy six. I'm not. I'm not saying they would, but I'm saying like taking ideas from. Okay, let's say they all talk to each other. Because I'm sure they're going to have to have this meeting of saying, regardless of whatever happens with both of these I expansions. Mean, I, I don't think WoW is like that much of a priority at the moment for like Microsoft. I mean, it's a moneymaker, sure. But like it's just been so devalued over the years, even from like Blizzard, that like they need to whip it into shape soon. Or it just kind Do of you like think that they could even take it free to play at some I don't think so because I think people are really pissed and wow about already the microtransactions. So going further in that direction would not please anyone. I mean, they get yeah. a lot more people playing and probably spending more money, at least initially. But like after a certain point, those people are going to drop off or not not yeah. pay at all, and then that'd be it. Dude, yeah, I mean the cool. fact that they're still keeping Fallout seventy six and uh, Elder Scrolls Online paid, so. The big thing you might see is a console version, or bringing it to the Xbox. Let people, let console players have a chance to play. Wow, I could never imagine that because I, I think the only way that could happen is if it was like Final Fantasy fourteen, and I think that I think WoW is too complicated for that already. Now, if I like yeah. massively re- like changing how the game operates, it might be it might be fine, but it would be like you have to hold down. L2 or uh, LT right in the right button to bring up like your fifth radial menu to, you know, do something. I wonder if they would have to tell you to, okay, everybody's going to have to buy the keyboard uh, thing with yeah. your controller in order for this to work. That could be a way around it, I guess. If you really want to play this on your Xbox, make sure you go get the keyboard. Uh, and make sure it's attachment. the official branded one. Not, yeah. You can't use any keyboard. You have to use our keyboard. Right. I mean, that's a possibility, right? What Daniel says is like, because what if they always said they want to have, you know, they, Final Fantasy 14 is not on Xbox, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like it will be, especially when you go buy Blizzard. I mean, what does that say if you're going to really try to fight hard to get Final Fantasy 14 on your console, but you have other MMOs already, you know? So that really could be the one thing that maybe they're waiting until they hit the panic button to go, you know what? Let's just put this thing on Xbox and see if we can like re you know, rejuvenate the whole system. Is there, I mean, that's, I guess it's a loaded question, but is there really anything that they can, they need to like remove or add to it that perhaps might also do that aside from the putting it on a console? I the free to play thing. I mean, if they did it, it'd be, it, I guarantee you'd be like the number one MMO for a while. That'd be like the, the biggest thing for the for that game in years. But I just don't know how many other people would stick around. And the problem with WoW is it's just so entrenched in these like systems. It's not 
nimble enough as a game, unlike Final Fantasy XIV, to like really change. And at least for a while, I mean, I think it's changed a little bit, but for like the past few years, Blizzard has been like pissed at the fan base and saying like, no, we have these systems for a reason, but not explaining why. So when the fans complain, Blizzard is just like, eh, you're not understanding our vision. And it's like, no, your vision is bad. You explain it to me because you haven't. And yeah, that's an issue. No, it definitely is. I mean, and when their vision also is like, oh, we have to put on an expansion every year to make people feel like it's worth it to continue to... It's like yeah. every two years, but I mean, look at like EverQuest. I mean, they're still pumping on expansion for that, the first one. And that came out like 97 or something. Yeah, but that still says a lot that that is still going on. But I mean, I guess you could say that for a lot of these MMOs, that even though they're not in part of the like popular lexicon anymore, people are still playing them. I don't think anyone's yeah. playing the Matrix MMO anymore. You have Guild Wars, and what is it that Star Wars one, I guess, is still getting played by some people. Yeah. So, there's that. Oh, they keep pumping out, they keep pumping out c- content for Star Trek Online. Yeah. yeah. And it's all narrative, too. It's Yeah, really... like the kid get Chase Masterson to voice Lita, and it's like, all right, let's go. Uh, I'm actually surprised how deep Star Trek Online has gotten with their story from when it first launched. That's cool that they have continued to do that. Uh, Daniel, do you have a thought on any of this at all? Or? Uh, only thing I'll say is eventually they're going to have to come out with a WoW 2 and just reset everything to make it friendly for new players. And I don't know if that's going to help or hurt the franchise more than anything else. I mean, I would sooner have a galaxy of StarCraft, like a StarCraft MMO. But I know what you mean. Like, WoW... If you're trying to play WoW now, it's incredibly impenetrable. I mean, I, I remember a few years ago, I tried, when they had the, I think it was like a free trial, you could go back and look at your characters, level them up. I took a look at it, and it was just, I looked at my old character, and it was just so different from what I had done. I just yeah, didn't know where to start. And I feel like a lot of new players right now come up on that same thing. They don't know where to start. They don't know what to do, and they just move on to something else. The funniest thing about this expansion, the new, the new one, is like them going like, "Oh, we have talent trees," and it's like, "What the shit? You removed four expansions ago. You're putting back in." Thanks. <laughs> yeah. When the Microsoft purchase happens, you might start seeing rumors of a Wild Two happening, and they wipe the continent and redo stuff, or maybe just go straight to Starcraft. I'd love Starcraft. I mean, Wild WoW is more popular, but. I think I just like to, I mean, I like sci-fi more than fantasy, so that's why I like StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if StarCraft will see a resurgence in this, because, you know, they're the one pillar of Blizzard that really isn't getting a whole lot right now, so. Bring, bring back Blackthorn, make a Blackthorn MMO. Lost Vikings game. Yeah. yeah. We'll do a Heroes of the Storm MMO. I think if we did go with StarCraft, I think you'd, the most likely thing you'd see would be StarCraft Ghost releasing. Like, it, re, like not redoing it, but just making a whole new game. Yeah, and then try to drum up the interest in the universe again. Yeah. yeah. The collective, the Gears of War people, and be like, here, make make this. Yeah, yep, do something. Doesn't Microsoft have, like, what, Creative Assembly? or That's Sega. There? Or who is it that does the... Who did the Halo Wars 2 one? They're gone. I know what you mean, but they're, yeah. they, after Halo Wars 2 bombed, they, I think they got disbanded. 
Well, whoever does, uh, I guess I could get the Age of Empires team on StarCraft. Or, oh, you're yeah. right. It was Creative Assembly. Oh, yeah, they're still around. But, I mean, they're owned by Sega, so. Yeah. Being said, we go from one uh, well-known uh, developer to another if from software. If there's been one developer that has gotten so much attention this year with Elden Ring being absolutely the front runner for game of the year and probably still being the game that most people think about right now when you think about this year. They're apparently working on a lot of projects from different places, including one of them possibly being Armored Core 6, uh, which would be the first Armored Core game in a really long time. Since the PS3, I think. Yeah, Yeah, since 2012. That would be that era. What do y'all think about another Armored Core? And just, you know, Mark, you as a a big uh you're you're not maybe a huge souls fan like yens or whatever but you've played so many of the games anything that you think might be coming i guess or i mean a new armor core might be fine but the problem was like they really burned that series out with like ps2 and ps3 ones then taking like a fresh crack at it might be good yo man where's the adventures of cookie and cream part two (laughs) what Uh, Daniel, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, the same thought. I love mech games. I love big, giant robots shooting and blowing up stuff, but Armored Core was kind of, uh, running to the ground. I think it would be good to see, uh, kind of it being revitalized a little bit. They're gonna, they're gonna bring back Chrome Hounds. <laughs> yeah, I want to see another, I know this isn't, uh, from software, but I want to see another front mission game. Well, they are doing what the remaster or remake of one or whatever yeah. for the Switch. I'll, yeah, but the last Front Mission game was terrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. Oh, my God. That one. Let's take out. everybody out of the giant mechs everyone wants to play in. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that made no sense to me. Like, what are y'all doing here? It didn't even feel like a Front Mission game at all. They should make the next time recording, should come with like a Steel Battalion size controller. Like, you have to uh, use this. Yeah. Don't do that to people, Mark. Don't. Uh, um, that's, yeah. what Blizzard, uh, that's what Microsoft's WoW will have, a hundred-button yeah, controller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's always good to know that from software is being able to use their success to continue to make more games. Um, I wonder if they will ever be able to be a Sekiro 2. You know, I, I, from software owns that IP, so I guess they could do it. Uh, I guess that's a possibility as well. Um, maybe something involving Bloodborne, since everybody's craving a remaster or a PC port or both. So there's that, I guess, also. Yeah, but cool that there's a new Armored Core, and I get, again, great that Miyazaki's being able to use all this to you know, make more games, which that's the positive thing about when your game does well. You get to make more. Ah, uh, Final Fantasy 16 is actually going to have like an accessibility mode uh, in its game. So instead of having like an easy mode, they're going to have a story-focused mode, which I'm sure will have a different title by the time we get to the end. They're not going to just like lower the difficulty and make it easy for you. There's actually like different items that you can equip that will make combat easier. Um, And you can also just kind of remove the ones you don't want and keep the ones you do. And you can also use this in the regular uh, normal mode as well. You don't have to just play it on the story focus mode to do that. I think that's kind of neat. 
Uh, it's a much better way to kind of ease people into a game that's going to have much different combat than the one that they're used to. Uh, even 15 still had sort of that option of having the wait mode that made it to where you kind of got to think about what you were doing. And yes, yeah, some of that was on kind of autopilot because you didn't play the other three characters. But when you're going like full action in the kind of Kingdom Hearts sort of way, that is a much different system than people are used to. I think this is really good for them to do. Where are you guys kind of, well, I know Daniel, like Final Fantasy is not necessarily your bag, but like, where are you on the whole, where now we're fully going into one-on-one combat, making this more action-y and not be the turn-based Final Fantasy thing that people are always clamoring. I, I would like to see the number of people that use the, story mode versus the number of people that play it the traditional way. I, I always think that's really interesting. I'd like to see that breakdown to see how people are actually experiencing the game. I mean, they've been slowly going to more and more of an action-based than a turn-based style for, can't even remember how long, probably since I played the la- since the last time I played a Final Fantasy game, but I mean, like, the last, like, traditional one was by Final Fantasy X. Yeah, I think I stopped around 8 or 9. And, I mean, it it wasn't because I didn't like the games. It was just I just fell out of playing it and never picked it back up. I It seems like people are wanting more action-based games in general now anyway, so it doesn't really shock me. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a problem, though, if, like, the series is so unrecognizable from what it once was. It's like, why don't you just make a new series? Or, like, why did you ruin this once great JRPG franchise? Well, I mean, I, I guess it's the whole thing that they've always said. Like, Final Fantasy is the one that they continually change and update on. Whereas, like, Dragon Quest is the more, oh, it has to be traditional. It has to be turn-based. It has to be this way. They always kind of say, well, if you want your regular turn-based stuff, there's Dragon Quest for you. But... I mean, I don't like the yeah. shit in Dragon Quest games uh, most of the time. Yeah. So that that's an issue. Like, why not flip that and say, "Hey, we're gonna like they already do some, do some like wild shit in Dragon in Dragon Quest." So yeah, I did see the thing today, or I think yesterday, whenever saying like there won't be any American voice actors in Final Fantasy 16. It's all gonna be British people. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, because they're cheaper. <laughs> well, Same. no, I mean also because they wanted to actually be correct with the medieval look. They said that they know that it's going to piss off Americans if they hear an American accent in what's supposed to be a medieval setting. So, Well, yeah, but if they want historical accuracy, they should have French accents. And it's also... The British noble spoke French. Yeah, <laughs> and also, it's cheaper. Like, they don't, you know... That's yeah, that's the ultimate reason, really. <laughs> like, Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess props for trying to be accurate. But yeah, I did find it funny as well that they had to mention that because it is true, dude. You're going to get people that are be like, oh, God, why does this guy have this accent? We're supposed to be set in this part of, you know, time that, that didn't exist. Like, like, it's also video game people. This is not surprising at all, guys. But did you know the Square Enix still wants to do NFT stuff, even though they keep saying that they're not? And then they say that, yes, they are. And then they say, no, they're not. And then. They supposedly sold Crystal Dynamics Eidos and Square Enix Montreal to Embracer Group because they're supposed to be putting that money into their core business. What are you supposed to believe at this point? 
they want to do it, but they see the market is fluctuating, so they have to hedge their bets. Either that or you've got one group of executives in the company that really want to do it, another group that doesn't want to, and each group is trying to pressure the other group to get their way. I mean, and they also probably see the vitriol from even folks in Japan. This is not just here that do not want this. They do not want it in their games, and they sure as hell don't want it in Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. So, like, you might really want to think about not doing it. But Final Fantasy is the franchise where you can get to explore and be creative. This is not creative. This is, like, (laughs) worse than microtransactions. You really don't want to go this route. Buy an NFT at Bahamut, and you can only use it once. Then it's it's expended. (laughs) Yeah, and then somebody's going to copy it, and they're going to keep making it, and they're going to sell it to someone, and it's going to cause a big old problem. Like, no, or they'll even build an entire that. game around an NFT, and then it gets stolen, and they have to pay a ransom to get it back. Yep, that too. <laughs> or somebody hacks the database where they have that NFT and, uh, and the DLC NFTs that were coming. I, I can't wait for that either. You know? <laughs> like, it's just too much BS that could happen with that. So you really don't want to know what the, the terrible stuff that's going to happen if we get to that. I mean, look, there are NFT games. There are blockchain games. Not saying that, they, you know, they, they do exist. And apparently for some people, they do really well. But I don't know. When you get into like the AAA space, you start introducing this stuff. It usually doesn't go well at all. Well, I feel like this is about the fourth show that we've talked about Skull and Bones in the last, I don't know. Um, I mean, Mark, for Mark and I, this is like a running gag at this point that every time the Skull and Bones comes to the news, we have to talk about it. Apparently now, according to um, a leaker that regularly reports on listings that are added to Xbox and Windows stores before they're made public, he is claiming that the game now has a release date of possibly November 8th, 2022. Can you believe it, Mark? Is it actually going to come out? No, I mean, will you be? They're saying next week we get a reveal, a re-reveal of the game. I mean, yeah, right after that, they'll have a trailer for Beyond Good and Evil too. Could they actually legitimately re-reveal this game next week? Yes, maybe Ubisoft has a Ubisoft forward they've been cooking up and they're not telling nobody. I don't know, but they kind of do need to show people this game if it's supposed to come out, you know, fiscal twenty twenty three or whatever the heck. We said it was last week. I don't know. <laughs> There's a synopsis here of you start off with a trading vessel and then you are supposed to raise your infamy so you can craft bigger and stronger ships and you take on contracts and make deals and all that stuff with people that are actually in the world and you actually can group up with up to three players. So you have four player co-op in this game at some point. I don't know. Could you perhaps they could actually make this work and you see yourself playing the game. It seems like no, it could be I already, fun. If... I already skipped Sea of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> but this is supposed to be more realistic than Sea of Thieves. Right? I mean... But it's all naval shit. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like the part in Assassin's Creed when you did naval stuff and then you boarded the ship and cut people to death. Like, it doesn't have that part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we don't know if it's going to have that part or not. Well, they've shown no person on the ship you know on any ship yeah it's all yeah it's all about the ships itself although if they're having treasure hunts i would imagine you have to have a person in some manner 
Yeah, or are you just going to get to the island and then the, you just press a button and all the treasure that's there is yours? Or... I'm not going to be like sunken treasure. Like you just have to like find it in the ocean and then you just, you know, hover or, you know, you just hover above the uh, spot and press A and hold it for 10 seconds and then you get the treasure. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's possible as well. I don't know. Being Ubisoft, I know it's going to come out because they live for these kind of games of like anything that they can get a bunch of people playing and then possibly elongate it with DLC or some other kind of content and then be able to do that for years. They have so many of these games now where they do this stuff. I mean, they're still making stuff for the crew too, for God's sakes. I mean, so the difference between this and the crew too is the crew two came out, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm just saying like they're going to do something and make sure this game comes out because even if it's bad, they have shown the tendency to continue to support the game and then somehow they make it good or they make it passable. You know, I, I don't know about, you know, if Rainbow Six Extraction is going to have that same ability because it seems like that thing came out. It was a thing for like a week and then I never heard from it again. But I'm just saying they have a track record of this stuff at least seems to do decently if you give them time to be to be there with it. I'm going to be on the, the side of we're going to get some kind of reveal for it. Maybe not next week, but by this month or before the end of the summer, we're going to see something from Skull and Bone. Of the 2025 release date? <laughs> <laughs> when that would be weird. Game? 2017? So Is that... Yeah, so they'll re- they'll have a 2025 release date for the eight year anniversary of the release of the first trailer. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, I mean eight year that sounds like a good nice number to hype up the game finally coming out. No, the game uh, it began development 2013. Okay, well, when they first show it off, like 20... 2017 is when they first yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So next year it will have been in development for ten years. Yep. Good point. Oh, good lord. Hey, man, they just had to do it like 18 more years and it can finally beat Duke Nukem Forever's record. <laughs> wow. What what a thing to like really want to be excited about. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what Star, Citizen, Star Citizen is heading for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, again, yeah. that's just them scamming people that's <laughs> i don't think it's quite scamming but it's definitely a example of feature creep that i mean they could have a working game just the base flying around doing missions they could have that ready probably in a year but they keep adding stuff that they want to put in the final release yeah that's true you're calling it feature creep but literally that 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 game just like never fully comes out because he keeps promising he's going to add this and this and this and this and this every year. And it's like, dude, like, yeah. when are you going to actually freaking put this out? <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to keep letting people spend money on it and then just, it's there and cool, whatever. Yeah. So I guess, unless, well, let, let's get through this part. And then if you want to talk about the, the finale of Kenobi or whatever we can do that. So this is the end of the month. So we're be- we're going to be in July the next time we do a show here. And now that I'm looking at it, actually, Arcade Geddon could be pretty decent. That's that one that looks like the characters are from Osmosis Jones, that Elphonic 
showed off. I I can't remember on which one of these. I think it was like on a state of play or something. Yeah, that arcade gaming games could be could be decent actually coming out um, that first day on PS Plus. But yeah, so when we're looking at the upcoming games, uh, by the time you're hearing this, Cuphead, the delicious last course, it's out there. You can play it, and hopefully everybody enjoys it after the long wait that we've had for this Cuphead DLC to be out there. Uh, also, the Outer uh, Outriders World Slayer DLC will be out. So there's that, and also the Monster Hunter Sunbreak as well will be out. So what a way to end the month. You get three big games there coming out. I wonder how many people are still playing Outriders, quite honestly, but... I guess it's enough for them to come out with this DLC. But we all end up liking I I ended up liking most of what I played of that game. Just it wasn't a great game to play solo. I never played it. Oh, you, Me either. Did you, you didn't? Okay, you didn't. All right. Uh, you got the F122 is coming out the 1st of July. So get ready for for that game. The Arcade Geddon game that I mentioned already. Euro Kill the Culmination, Culmination Games. Uh, that's that new NIS joint this is also like a chump adventure shooter as well so yeah uh some pretty good stuff to look forward to here i'm definitely gonna be playing cuphead are you gonna be checking that out daniel or? uh probably not initially i might i don't know yet <laughs> i haven't decided yeah, what yeah. i'm gonna be going for yet did you get that on pc or something mark or you haven't no i never played it yeah oh I think what well, turned me off was like them saying like it's just all boss battles. Yeah, and you do have like some platform levels, but it's basically yeah they fun. like bolt that in later on. They're like, oh crap, people actually yeah. want to like play the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was there at release, but yes, you're you're correct. The game is built around beating bosses. Well, we have reached the end of Kenobi, Daniel. <laughs> uh, how do you how do you feel about the series as a whole now that we have? I guess there's still rumors they could do a season two, I guess, but it seems pretty final. The series was remarkably and consistently inconsistent. You have in every episode, it seems like there's a really good moment and there are some really dumb head scratching story moments that you can't figure out what they're doing and what they were thinking. Yeah. And I mean, I probably won't go back and watch it. And just for the last episode, I don't think I'm spoiling anything because it's 10 seconds into the episode. The ship is fleeing. They can't get go to hyperspace. Kenobi gets into a smaller vessel and to, to lure them, the Star Destroyer with Vader on it away. Gee, it's too bad there aren't smaller fighters that could destroy the other ship or tractor beams that could stop that ship from getting away. It's just terrible that that doesn't exist in the Star Wars universe. I mean, maybe at that time it, it did not, no. apparently. <laughs> not with uh, the folks that are, I mean, the folks that are on that, like, don't seem very um, fighter ish. You know, they all seem like just common people that are on that thing with Kenobi. So I'm talking about the uh, Star Destroyer that was chasing yeah. that ship. They could. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, Tractor Beam definitely... stop the ship from escaping, or, oh, no, we have to make a decision on what we're going to do. Vader knows Kenobi's on the small ship, so instead of taking his shuttle to follow the small ship while the Star Destroyer goes after the ship Kenobi left, no, we're just going to send everybody to the one planet and ignore that other ship. 
for story reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, not everything is going to make sense. No, but come, I mean, that obvious. That That's yeah. one of those things where at least throw a line out explaining right. why they're doing it. I, I, I agree mean, with you there. Even I if it's Vader just saying, I don't care about that ship. I want Kenobi. We're going after Kenobi. That's all it would take. Yeah. It would make, I mean, would be a dumb decision, but it would make sense. But they don't yeah. even give you that. They just say, oh, well, we have to choose one ship to follow, so we're going after this one. Yeah, they could definitely could say it, and you could point it as, you know, Vader being... Uh, you know, Obsessed. filled with yeah obsession over Kenobi or whatever, uh, and it makes it makes sense. I don't know. I don't know how much thinking goes into that when they're making it. Do they just cut it for time? Do they cut it to make the episode not be a certain amount long? Like, I, I don't well, know. I wonder if that was ever in the writing writing room and somebody said, "Oh, well, you don't need that." Well, from what I heard, story wise, they had to rewrite it because Kathleen Kennedy felt the show was too dark uh, which it's in the darkest part of the history of the universe one of the darkest parts in the history of the universe where jedi are being hunted down you have the empire taking over it's supposed yeah. to be dark <laughs> i mean what is wrong with dark star wars i mean like you can be I mean, a bit adult with this series i mean and kids will still get it yeah I mean, yeah but you, can't, you can't sell toys of that of dark star wars <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think you're going to be selling a lot of toys of this series. I mean, yeah, but look I, at like look at Grogu from Mandalorian. Yeah, but I feel like Mandalorian is different though. Like it that the when that started getting popular, like you could easily sell things from the Mandalorian. Like, yeah, you'll make your stuff of Darth Vader and Kenobi and whatever, and you know what, uh, young Leia and. And all that, but I think a lot of the other characters are kind of like you've not that memorable. I mean, there's only like what the I, I don't remember her name now. Uh, the Reva main, yeah, Reva, and then the the one that's with Kenobi a lot. I don't know why I can't remember her name right now either. Well, she uh, that character is not going to be selling anything, so yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there's not that many. You could just make toys out of for this series, so it really should just kind of stand on its own, and and you be able to do what you want with it. And also because you still have the restriction of, well, you have to tie it back into episode four, so you know how it's going to end. Like we knew that he's not the second time that he has an opportunity to kill. Anakin and he do, he's not going to do it. Why? Because he's obviously going to be in the other movies. So yeah, that was another <laughs> example that I didn't want to bring up. But yeah, that's another story thing where that's the problem with doing prequel series. You can't make any radical changes because you know where the story has to go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then they don't. There's a lot of things they don't explain uh, very well. You know, so it's just. They're, they could do a season two and explain some of those things, but again, you're hampered by the fact that there's only so much further you can go because then you can't get into things that happen in episode four. Yeah. So. Although I will say uh, last week, Strange New Worlds, and I'll just, I'll, I went on a rant with somebody that I know. Uh, I'm going to reference Discovery season three real quick. In season three, Discovery, they had this whole thing with the trill where they could have had all these tie-ins to Deep Space Nine. The Dax symbiote, 
the half the trill population being yeah. able to support symbiotes, all this stuff. They ignored all of it. And then we have Strange New Worlds. And all they did was they threw one little thing in at the start of this episode that was really easy to miss. But this last episode, uh, the doctor is reading his daughter a fairy tale. And the book is by Benny Russell, who was the writer that Cisco, when he went back in time, he inhabited that body. That was a fun nod to DS9. Didn't really have any ref relevance to the story, but it was something that was fun and showed whoever wrote that episode or made up that prop actually knew Star Trek. And you don't get any of that feeling with Discovery. I, I saw the, I forget the actress's name, Sonequa Martin-Green, I think. She said she wanted to do, do a crossover with, a star, another, with another Star Trek show, and I dreaded it was going to be Strange New Worlds, but I was, it was actually Lower Decks, and I'm like, all right. Who cares? Yeah, it's just terrible Lower as well. Is the, Lower Decks is actually decent, but uh, I just, yeah. It's just, it's amazing how you have Strange New Worlds, which throws loving homages back to Star Trek series, and then you have Discovery that likes to pretend nothing else existed <laughs> for the most part. And then Burnham is like the most important character ever. Yeah. Well, uh, if there's no other... The Star Trek movie has ended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I had, even though it wasn't the, and the, it's not that the episode was bad by any means, it just wasn't the best episode they've done. It was still entertaining, but throwing that one little thing in just made the episode for me at the very beginning when I noticed it. For no other reason than it showed they actually cared what has come from previous Star Trek shows. I mean, that's the thing that, uh, I feel like when I used to, you know, when I used to watch wrestling a lot, it's like, it used to be some you know, you, you know, it's, it's nice when you reference older things that happened for those people that may have actually watched all that stuff or read all that stuff or whatever thing that we're referencing. It's the not problem, bad. Like the, the problem with wrestling though, is like, they, they want you to forget that stuff because I think it was like, Years ago, they had like the big show saying he wanted to win the championship belt, and it's like you already won it twice. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, well, no, I, you know, Vince would always say like people have the attention memory of like three weeks. Like, about like, it yeah, so there's no point in doing that. But it's like, well, you got to think about your your older fans as well. Like they they care about having that stuff actually matter feel like all that stuff in the series matters so when you throw out lines like you know what daniel mentioned or you know what he was saying you should mention and uh you know kenobi it's like yeah that stuff makes sense like it's not hard to just mention it and cool okay you made allusions as to why and i'm fine did, uh, with it did the best star wars character akmina ever show up no Look her up. You'll see why it's the best Star Wars character. <laughs> All right. Well, any anything? I I will say I have been enjoying Miss um, Marvel. I I think it's a really well done show. All I've enjoyed all three episodes. Um, I know it seems to kind of be like a mixed bag for a lot of people. Some people are like me and really liking it, and then some people are just absolutely hating it. So I, mean, I yeah. watched the first episode and I didn't hate it. I just haven't been motivated to watch the yeah other two i think it's on the other three now uh i will say ha have you been watching orville anybody i have so 
I'm one episode behind, but in the one where they, uh, you had the admiral that show up that, that was originally married to the doctor. Is it sad that a part of me wanted to see Avery Brooks come out? Yes. No, <laughs> I, I wanted that too, but he's too busy being drunk somewhere, wherever the fuck he is now. Yeah, I just, that would have been hilarious to see him come out and be the ex husband of the doctor. Or even like Michael Dorn or someone from Star Trek, you know. Yeah. I'm just like naming the dude. You're two episodes behind then, I think. Uh, I, well, I saw the episode that took place after that. That was just the one thing that stuck in my okay, mind. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah, I haven't watched right. the... Uh, I think the last episode was dealing more with the Krill. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. The last one I watched was when they were trapped on the planet in the high school to start with. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, you're one episode behind then. But yeah. That was good. Yeah, that one was good too. I mean... I- I'm I'm really depressed that show's over or seemingly over. Yeah, I kind of wonder if we're gonna get like little one-off episodes or spin-off shows because McFarlane owns the rights to it, doesn't he? I hope so. I mean, he's rich enough to just make some more if he wanted. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being a like a one-off episode here, or continuing a story with a couple characters as the schedules allow for the actors. Because the big thing that killed Orville was COVID. Because all the actors' contracts were up for renewal, and the right as yeah. Disney was buying Fox, and nobody picked it up. That just kind of killed any chance of the show being renewed. Because all the act- actors and actresses took other jobs because they didn't know what the show was going to get picked back up. But Thomas in the episode, let's get going. <laughs> I mean. I was going to say, you don't think there's a chance uh, any streaming channel will pick it up? But. On Hulu now. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they could pick it up, but I don't see it. Like, I, I mean, I don't think it's a big hit. I, I hate to say. Yeah. But, but everybody that has actually watched it that I've talked to has enjoyed yeah, it. Right. It's just getting people to take a look at it. But then again, the original Star Trek wasn't really a big hit. It just kind of lived, lived on in reruns and yeah, rabbit fan interest 20 years <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i remember liking what i watched of season one i just i felt season one is actually kind of i think it's kind of bad personally yeah. or you know it has yeah. a lot of a lot of forced humor that the like season two and three don't have at all it's much oh, more okay. of a serious show yeah because there you know, was a lot of like what the hell is this <laughs> like I mean, I th- yeah. Gordon is still kind of annoying, but he got yeah. way toned down in season two. Like, he has like jokes occasionally, but like not like how he was in season one. He's kind of like, just a jackass in season one, or like what they did with like Lamar's character, like yeah, make, make Lamar got the LaForge treatment. Yeah, <laughs> literally. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right, everyone. Well, hopefully you've uh, enjoyed what you heard here. If you do like what you hear, you can get subscribe on whatever podcast service that you're using to listen to us on you can also obviously go subscribe on youtube where you get everything that we do as a network uh, including all of mark Riley's stuff so uh go subscribe to the network you get everything that we do you know if you want the latest movies mark Riley's has you covered there uh always having the review of what's you know the latest thing that he's uh that's been out definitely go do that and go check it out uh for sure um, until next week. See you later, everybody. Enjoy those games. Later. Later. Bye.